if you're committed to going all in, and that's what we are at Yogi Triathlete, then these circumstances are, con- are going to continue to arise. They're going to ask you to step up and ask if you are truly committed to the goal. Are you truly committed to making this thing work? Because there's going to be way, there's going to be opportunities to pull you away and it's relentless until you say no, no, no enough and saying no is okay. Until you say no enough, the universe is going to start saying, okay, well, these guys are truly committed to Yogi Triathlete. Let's get on, let's get the other way. Like, let's not, let's stop throwing them these bones and let's get this power and momentum behind them and help them make this thing work. Hello, Yogi Triathlete community. Thanks so much for tuning in and welcome to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. This podcast was born from our very own pathway to purpose. And today we're going to dive into perhaps some stories that you haven't heard before. For those of you who don't know our story, we basically packed up our life into two carry-on suitcases in 2016 sold our dream home, and hit the road with no itinerary, no idea of how long we'd be living on the road or where we'd live at the end of our trip. We felt deep in our hearts that it would be Southern California, but we never pushed an agenda on our journey. Every morning we woke up, meditated, and started our day with the guiding mantra, all channels open. Six months to the day we left, we landed in a 400 square foot studio by the beach in Carlsbad, California with grand plans to open a yoga studio and share the potent practice of meditation and mindfulness with everyone in the world, we were sure that we were going to be a mass success within a very short period of time. I mean, we have the keys to the kingdom, you guys. Why wouldn't everybody want their own set? It just, it didn't make any sense to us. Well, what ensued from that point was a period of growth that neither BJ or I could ever have expected. We received a terrifying financial dismantlement, a PhD in humility, and some of the greatest joys of our lives. The unknown is the place where we continue to live with all channels open, awake and ready for all that's coming our way. We've got some questions to assist us in up-leveling our transparency with you guys. So thank you so much for everyone who sent us questions. And, you know, we are willing to continue to dive in deep anytime with the intention that our story may inspire or assist others on their path to taking risks, living against the grain, and realizing on a cellular level that we are not here to go through the motions. I've got Coach Beach with me today, and I have no idea what stories are going to come out, but what I can tell you is it's probably a very small percentage of the stories that have transpired over these last, gosh, three plus years. But BJ, like I honestly could not have navigated the last few years without him um, or the prior 20 that we've been together, babe. So yeah, it's, been, it's been quite a while. <laughs> Thank you for being here today yeah. and for being by my side during this just epic experience that we've had since we pulled out of our driveway that day in Newport, Rhode Island. It's been a roller coaster ride. It really has been like to the extreme. Yeah, it's just been up and down and around and let's do it again and again. And you get the butterflies, you get those feelings of excitement and you get the sheer terror of 
the unknown and that when am I going to get my next breath? And yeah, I, I don't think I could have done it. Well, I know, I know I couldn't have done it without you by my side. It takes, it takes a team. And, uh, especially right now, our pack is super strong. The three of us, this Clark lays here in between us. Uh, it's a strong pack and it takes a strong pack. It takes, it takes a strong connection to, move through the experiences that we move through to keep going. And I know that's one of our questions about keep going and how do we keep going? Right. All right. Well, let's dive into questions because we have some really good ones. Um, Let's see. Okay. First one comes from Mike. Mike. Oh my God. Could you imagine if we didn't know Mike? I love Mike. It's always good to see him. Mike Ergo is a brother, man. And if we didn't take these risks... nobody would even be listening to this podcast because this podcast wouldn't exist. It's just, it's, it, it was so important for us to do what we did. We were going to stop the podcast too. There were oh, times yeah. we were going to stop the podcast. <sighs> there was many times that a lot of things were going to stop. Um, okay. So first question, what was the moment, this is a good question to begin with. What was the moment you finally pulled the trigger and launched Yogi Triathlete? So, Yogi Triathlete was born, I'm going to say 2000, somewhere between 2005 and 2006 in Boulder, Colorado. I was a massage therapist, I was a triathlete, and I was in triangle pose on a yoga mat in our townhome in Boulder, and it hit me, Yogi Triathlete. And at that time, I was the only triathlete I knew practicing yoga. And I'm talking about the physical practice, so I wasn't meditating at this time. And BJ was a web designer. We had a web design company. Clear Pixel Design. Clear Pixel Design, yes. And so I went into his office and we reserved the domain name. And it's funny because the domain name we reserved was The Yogi Triathlete. Why did we do that? Because, oh my God, there's so much ego in there, right? Like I'm the yogi triathlete, right? And so I believe, I look back on that, not to dive in too deep or try and figure it out, but I'm sure there was some ego involved in that, that that was going to be my blog. But I knew that it was something bigger. Like I really didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew it was something big and we reserved the domain. And from that first day, the Yogi Triathlete did not feel right to me because I was like, it's, it's me. Yeah, it's me, but it's so much more. It's so much more. And I can't remember, I'm sure we could look back, Beach, you probably have a way to look back to find out when we switched over to Yogi Triathlete, but we made her, she became my blog for a while where I would blog about yoga and triathlon because yoga and triathlon brought me to the same place from very different paths. And that was really what, what sparked it, was that both triathlon and yoga required me to go beyond body and mind. And so I just, I could feel, and I couldn't really articulate, but I could feel that there was this cohesion there that was so incredibly strong. So in 2016, she became a business, like an official business, which is interesting because at that point, we already knew that we were going to be hitting the road. So she was an infant when we hit the road. And I wasn't even 100% involved in Yogi Trathy. I was only dipping my toes in a little bit. I was still working for Amrita, I want to say, in early 2016. Well, I, was, I had moved out of Newport Harbor 
my full-time corporate job and then started working with Amrita Bars for a full-time job and was coaching a few athletes. So you started just coaching some athletes for free after your after your injury in 2014 that almost yep. took that didn't almost take you down but totally took you down now that's a story people know so we don't need to rehash that right but um that's when you decided to throw yourself into service and start coaching people yeah and i always you, had the inkling to coach people i always had that urge and you know this like i always had something something was going to happen in that realm i just i just felt that that was part of what I needed to like your whole life, like the be. whole 20 something, 22, 23 years that we've been together. You've always talked about coaching. Yeah. And this was, and I always thought it was going to be basketball, like coaching youth basketball or something because basketball was my passion, but it just goes to show you can't, you have that hit. You can't have attachment to, to the end result. You got to keep taking the next step to see what comes out of it. There's no way I would think I'd, I'd be a triathlete in high school, like thinking about that, or even in the early days that we were dating, there's no way I would, I would, you know, I thought I'd be playing basketball for a long, long time. And BJ was really good at hacky sack too. Oh, hacky sack. Yes. Especially <laughs> after about found... nine IPAs. <laughs> you just found the hacky in our car. <laughs> yeah, we just, we we've got a hack. We might have to hack today. <laughs> so yeah. So 2016 is when you officially made it a business. Yeah. And, and again, like we really didn't, we were, you were coaching some athletes. I think a few of them were starting to pay but I think they were paying like $75 or something like that, you know, like back in where you're like, I have no cred. Although you already had plenty of time over 10 years in the sport, but you got to build that confidence and you got to build that cred and you got to do whatever it takes. You got to do whatever it takes to build that um, because people need that. Right. So I'm thinking about when I talk about autobiography of a yogi a lot. It's such a good book. But when Yogananda's teacher tells him, you have to go to university, you have to go to college. And he's like, I don't want to go to college. I just want to like meditate at your feet all day. Like, I just want to meditate. I don't want to go to college. And he said, well, you're going to be going to the West to bring the teachings of yoga. And the people in the West, they need the degree. They need you to have a, a college degree so that they will believe you. And it's so crazy because that just shows you how uh, how much we're in servitude of the mind and the mind needing to know like, okay, this person has a college degree, so I can trust them, which is Which is bullshit. It's interesting. That's well, another way to say it. Uh, well, because I because you you don't have a college education. And I have Shh, and I have anyone. one. That, I but, think that's a story people don't but, know either about my college. <laughs> I, I am I am a, uh, an expert student um, in college and I'm an expert at transferring colleges. But no, I never got a bachelor's degree. And I stayed the course at one school and yeah. finished it all the way through. But look at where we are. Yeah. Right? To me, I don't it's life experience that has gotten me here. I don't I don't attribute it to having this degree that well, proves that I had an education for four years. And belief in yourself. And I believe that you get belief in yourself through like trials and tribulations that you and I have navigated over in the last couple life. of years. In real life. Real life experience. Yeah. yeah. And, I know just, we're going to dive into this, but. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was 2016 that she became a biz and um, she wasn't making much money when we hit the road and that was fine. Like we were completely unattached and we were following our heart. And this whole tour 
if you guys don't know this story, came in a moment during a meditation in December of 2015, during a time where I was feeling very lost and very confused. And that is such a good place to be. Why? Why? Because you're in complete detachment. Like being lost and confused means you you are lacking that certainty that that falsely makes you feel safe when really being unattached and being lost and confused is a great place to be because you're open to discovery and you're open to curiosity. And for me, it was a really potent moment. Let's, let's say it what it is. It was a potent moment where this entire six months of being on the road, even though we didn't know it was going to be six months and moving and all of that, getting rid of everything, that all came in a moment in meditation. It's crazy. So anyway, 2016 is when she became a biz. Okay, what was the closest you came to giving up and why? What was the closest you came to giving up? I think, I think maybe when the studio didn't happen. Yeah. I think that might have been the moment. So that was June of 2017. Yeah. I felt like we, our purpose here was to bring what we had learned at, you know, Rhode Island Power Yoga and Live, Love, Teach, yoga teacher training, to bring that here. And, and figuring the West Coast would be so open to yoga and breathing and as athletes uh breath-based power flow in in heated conditions and to have two experienced triathletes like endurance athletes teaching the yoga and to have a couple managing the studio like in southern california like all the signs were were saying yes 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 but that's just the way we interpreted the signs the signs were actually saying no no Nope, this isn't the way to go. And when it fell through, I think I was still working for Xterra here. I was making a little bit of money. I hadn't, we hadn't gone fully all in, or I hadn't gone fully all in. And so I think that that was truly where I felt the, the most lost, I would say, because we're not going to do the studio. Athletes are not swarming to Yogi Triathlete yet. I'm working a job that, you know, should be aligned because it's in the triathlon community, you know, wetsuit company, but the commute and the amount of time that went into three days a week or four days a week when I was working just wasn't aligned. And I was sort of lost as to like, what's, what are we going to do? And I think that's when we started to put our resumes out into the world to re-enter the corporate world using the skills that we already had. And I think in that those moments that's that's what we had that's what I had to do and I'll speak for me like that's you know just keep that momentum moving forward and it was scary I don't even know if I shared the scariness with you I probably just you know stuffed it inside and just kept trying to do the next thing like what can we do what's what can we do today like, yeah what's the no, next this thing we is, can do today this is the first time I'm hearing any of this yeah yeah so what can I do today to, to move us forward and it, it was super scary. It was super scary, not because we didn't know what we were going to do. It's also because we had all this debt now, right? Trying to open a studio and thinking about food and thinking about going to the grocery store and what should we buy? Like really tuning into 
what races I should do. Like, should I do any races? Because it costs money. It costs money to travel. It costs money to race. Uh, it costs money to fuel my fitness to perform well at these races because that's what I want to do. And it just, it was that trickle effect. And then everything started to get involved. Like, should I even drive the car today? Should I, or should I just walk down to where I need to go? Do I need that coffee at steady state? Or can I just drink some warm water here with some lemon in it? That's how it really got. Um, In those moments, in those fearful moments, in the doubt, in, in the unknown is when, is when we come back to what's gotten us here. And that's the meditation. It's the time that we spend every morning with ourselves. And it's that consistent practice of discovering what thoughts are true and which, which thoughts are trying to muck things up, trying to keep you in that lack. And I think the meditation is a time to discern between what's, what's real and what's not. And you can create that space, and then you start you start to you start to move from more more space into decision making process. And I can say that was one thing that really grounded me in that experience was to just step away, as we did many times on the tour when we couldn't find a place to to stay overnight. We would leave what we were doing, looking at Airbnbs or VRBO, and stepping away, meditating, and then coming back and addressing. And there would always be a solution. There's always a solution when you come out. But it, taking that time to sit still with your thoughts is is a non-negotiable. Yeah, I agree that that was a tough time. And as the person that handles the finances, I can tell you that we weren't in debt yet. That was actually the beginning of our debt. That was when it started. And I remember saying to you like, okay, just so you know, we're officially we're officially in debt now. Like we officially have a credit card balance. So that was June of 2017. And I had spent the first six months of living here working on opening this studio. Like it was a full-time job. And researching and learning and getting, I mean, just being so resourceful, working with a SCORE mentor, which is like a an executive who gives back their time to help small businesses. I worked with this guy, I worked with the Small Business Association, I wrote a business plan, and I think through all of this, I got attached. So when the studio didn't happen, it was like falling off a cliff because there was a part of me which I didn't realize at the time was banking on this studio to make a lot of money for us so that we could live. Now you were working for Xterra and that was paying our food and our um, our rent. And then after the studio didn't happen, you were in a, probably a bit of this, you know, down spiral that you went in. We realized how miserable you were commuting and you quit that job. And that's when rent and groceries started going on a credit card. Now, one of the things that happened during the opening of the studio is that we acquired all of these lines of credit, which I thought were going to be used for the yoga studio, but they ended up being used for our survival. And so 
about this time is when we met Golden Duffy. And I mean, she was one of the biggest gifts that came into our life. And I remember meeting her and having her on the podcast and talking about credit in this way of like abundance, that it's free money to stop looking at it in a negative way. Because when we look at it in a way of, oh my God, we're in debt and that's so heavy, we're creating from that energy of, oh my God, we're in debt, it's so heavy, as opposed to look at all this free money we have. So I remember going to the grocery store with you one day and you said, how much money do we have to spend? And I said, $25,000, let's do it. We have 25 grand we can spend. So, and that was just one credit card. Um, God, we have so many now from this amazing time in our life. For me, it was March of 2018, where now the credit cards, and I think there was like six of them, were like maxed. And the 0% was... And 0% was starting to, yeah, some of the 0% was starting to expire. So we were transferring balances, incurring more debt from the transfer, and Yogi Triathlete was picking up some steam, but what it looked like on paper was that the debt was picking up so much more steam, and it was food and groceries, and I was so grateful. Like, don't don't think for one second that, I mean, this time from from June of 2017 to March of 2018, I learned what an abundance mindset is. I mean, I really dove in deep to gratitude and was able to practice this on a level that I can now, I now teach it. It's just, it's, and had I not had that experience, I would not be able to teach it the way I do now. And lack is not just about money. Lack is, if you have if you have financial fear that you don't have enough, you've got lack in every aspect of your life. Lack of health, lack of love, lack of partnership, lack of connection. It is pervasive like throughout everything because we don't selectively say, oh, I've got lack in finances and nowhere else. That's not how the universe works. Lack is lack. So you're creating from it from all aspects of your life. And that's why it's such, this is one of, this is a really, really big thing that us humans are here to learn. So it was March of 2018. And I think we had like lost a couple athletes, meaning they just moved on. I mean, but we knew like, okay, let everybody go freely because there's more coming. And this is, you know, our alignment is changing. And so athletes are going to change and all of that. And things, the athletes that were coming were, so much less of a, for a lack of a better word, battle because they were on board. Now people were starting to come to us because of what we do and what we offer, right? So here we are, I'm seeing the business is building in this very organic, beautiful way that says, oh my God, now people are coming to you because of who you are and what you offer. But the physical had not caught up yet. The debt was getting really high. And I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen for next week's groceries or next month's rent. And that's when I put my resume together. I found a job at the Chopra Center. It was an event planner at the Chopra Center. I mean, this is what I used to do. 
right? So I've got all the type A event planner perfectionist skills. Now you throw on the mindfulness and the meditative self that I've cultivated over this last decade. Like I'm the perfect person for this job. Crickets, heard nothing. You put out your resume. You There was another perfect job. I don't know what it was. Prana. Oh, Prana. Prana. Yeah, for Prana, right? So, Super like aligned job. Like totally I could update aligned. a website and Who manage hire us? all this stuff on the back oh, end. It's like totally easy. Dreaming of like 401k and like vacation time. I was like, I don't care if I only have five days. This is going to be amazing. Nobody even called us back. And it was funny because the whole time you and I are looking at each other and we're saying, is there anything else we're supposed to do? than yogi triathlete? And the answer was always no. We kept, we always. It was always yogi no. triathlete. Right. It was always yogi triathlete. This is what we were, this is, this is it. This is what we were, this is what we are supposed to do. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna tell a story that I, I okay. have never told before. Actually, I did tell it on a podcast that I was interviewed for, which hasn't launched yet. So our audience is gonna get this, get this story first. So it was March of 2018. I mean, it was, it was, it was looking pretty grim on paper, but abundance mindset was high. Yogi Triathlete was showing a lot, a lot of promise. It was growing. Gratitude was so acute. And I was teaching at this gym and I came out of class and I was picking up a friend of ours at the airport who was coming in for the weekend. And I got into the car and I had been reading Pam Grout's E Squared, which is a super cool book. It's all about me, uh, about experiments you can conduct with the universe and co-create with the field of potentiality. And so I got into the car and I did what I felt was the biggest experiment. I pray, I pray for a miracle. I said, okay, universe. And she gives, she says, give it 48 hours. It's just like a scientific experiment, right? So you announce that I said, okay, it's 1248 on Thursday afternoon. I give this experiment 48 hours and I need a miracle. We need a miracle. And it's gotta be big because we have so many miracles every day like we have so many blessings every day it's got to be so obvious it's got to be one that like can't be denied and i said and i believe beyond doubt that it will be delivered and that's it that's all you say you don't beg for it but you believe it beyond doubt now Granted, I've been working on this beyond doubt thing for years, okay? It's not just a, a switch you can flip. And I went and picked that person up from the airport. And I'm just going to keep this person anonymous because I don't have their permission to share this story. So, and that evening we were all here at the house. And this person said, um, hey, if you guys are ever looking for an investor, I'd be in. And... Both BJ and I were like, oh, yeah, kind of sloughed it off. And so I can speak for myself in, I sloughed it off because I'm like, no, you can't ask for help. Like, you can't receive help. Like, you got to do this by yourself, right? And that was just, and I think that was something I was here to learn. 
And then the next morning, Beej and I were out for a walk and we sat down at the bench by the ocean. And I just looked at him and I said, we need help. Like, we, we need help. And I really think that we need to uh, open up this discussion and see what it looks like. So we opened up the discussion. We stayed open. It was super uncomfortable for us. We did all the due diligence. We, I put together, you know, financial analysis. We could see that the business was growing. I mean, it was making, you know, it was making just a little bit of money, but it was growing and it had so much potential. And this person a month later, and oh man, that month was all about patience and belief that we were going to be supported and taken care of. That was probably the roughest month of my life because it was like I'm splitting groceries onto two different credit cards. It was like putting $2 of gas to get to the studio to teach a class that I was getting paid $20 for. It was, it was just, it was humility. It was, I was learning humility. And this person gave us $10,000. Like, like, when does that happen? And it was just, it was so unbelievable. It was a miracle. It was a total miracle. And that money is the, I really believe that money is the only reason we're sitting here right now because it allowed us to live. It allowed us to pay our rent and pay for our food and support the business and sign up for races because that's not a luxury. It's our job. It's our job. And I remember every month I started because I was paying the rent on a credit card and now I was like writing the check and walking the rent into the office and hand delivering it to Linda, our office manager. And every time I would do that, I would get into this state of gratitude and joy. And I would be like, this is normal. This is normal. You, this is normal now. You pay your rent with a check. And it gave us what we needed to support the business, to build the business. And it turned around pretty quick where we were able to pay our rent and we were able to pay our bills, starting to pay down some of these credit cards, you know, at least hitting the minimum payments. And it was a miracle. There's a lot, there's a lot more I could talk about that story, but I think that's, that's the gist of it. It was a miracle. And what I've learned is that miracles are normal. They're normal. We just gotta, we just gotta look around and realize that they're normal and they're everywhere. And asking for help. I think that was a big one too. That's because like, that's so... Because you and I, we come from such... We both come from military dads. Right. And 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 hardworking dads and hardworking families. And, yeah, and you work it out. You you figure it out. You figure it out. You get a job. You get three... I've, I remember I had three jobs one summer. Three jobs. And that's... that's but that doesn't make it the only way to do things that doesn't mean that's the only way to do things and doesn't mean that it's the wrong way to do things it just means that's that's just one way one way and there's plenty of other ways to do things and you and i are intelligent smart people and we have this experience and i think part of that 
was weighing on our shoulders. Like we've got, we should be able to do this. Like we should be able to do this. Built two businesses on our own, Massage Boulder and Clear Pixel Design. We've done this. We've built these businesses successfully. Successful businesses. Like very you sold successful. your massage business. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think asking for help is is a humbling, oh. it's a humbling experience because it says, in the in, in basic terms, it says I don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. I don't know what to do. And I've just I've learned like you guys, we are connected. We are our essence is one. We Buddha, like Buddha said it right, man, give freely always. And so during this time, as we were gaining a bigger team and Patreon, we had launched our Patreon program and people were starting to support the podcast, which by the way, you guys, you are the reason why this podcast exists because I, I almost had to walk away from it to get a job at Starbucks to be able to pay for food. And you guys are the reason why this podcast is still here. Like you are the $10,000 check. I don't care if you give $5 or $3 or $20. Like you guys are amazing. And we are here to care for each other. And I didn't, I think I had this block around receivership. And now I realize how important it is. And during that time when things were starting to pick up and Um, I remember being at the gas station and somebody came up to me and they said, Hey, you know, I'm traveling with my family. Um, you get this a lot around this area. Like I'm traveling, we're out of gas. And I was like, yeah, like he's like, even just $5 a gas, like here's the tank. And I was like, no, I'm going to fill the tank. And I think it like, you know, it was if again, if you were to get a calculator out, you would say, no, don't fill this guy's tank. But I was like, I will fill the tank. Like, I'm not giving you $5. I'm going to fill the tank. And, and I've done this a couple times now that people, um, will approach me at the gas station and they're like, I'm living out of my car. I'm like, can I just have $10? I'm like, where's your car? I go over there. I fill it up. I'm like, you got a full tank. You're all set. I'm like, it wasn't that long ago that I couldn't put gas in my car. Like I will never take that for granted. And I love, I love that about this experience is that I don't take ice cubes for granted and I don't take putting gas in my car for granted. Or having a roof over Clark's head, right? Right, right. Or a roof. I was talking to Kyla, one of our athletes and podcast guests. I was chatting with her via Instagram the other day about how we have, I have not lost the gratitude for having a roof, like a roof <laughs> all the time. It's amazing. So anyway. That's what happens when you live in a tent. That's an 80 square foot tent, right? Yes. And especially in New England, we were in New England and lots of rain. And we just were challenged daily with having Clark and with, you know, not having the amenities that we normally have. And not to talk too much about the tour, but we did that whole six months without having a cooler. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of being plant-based. Right. A lot of it was just moment to moment. So that was the moment I almost gave up, guys. March of 2018 was a killer. Okay, what was the, here's another question. This comes from Jen. What was the moment you felt like the physical was catching up? So for me, it was Thanksgiving, November 2018. You actually weren't feeling good, BJ. You were in bed And I think, uh, I don't know why you were in bed, but probably exhaustion from 
the universal ass kicking that we had been getting for over two years. But I was standing in the kitchen and I was preparing a Thanksgiving dinner for the two of us. I was making like this lentil loaf and, you know, some amazing cauliflower mashed potatoes. And I was cutting and, and I noticed this exhale. I just like noticed this really profound exhale. And in that exhale was the moment I realized that we were not living in survival mode anymore. It was so profound. And, and I also had this information that not only weren't we living in survival mode anymore, but I had to learn again how to live outside of that surviving because we were surviving for a while. And it was, it was extremely powerful. That was, that was my moment. I think, uh, and a pivotal moment for me was when I coincidentally let go of, I think, one or two yoga classes that I was teaching. And in that same span, I want to say of 24 hours, I also gave up a project, a potential side project to do a website that just wasn't aligned with you know, yogi, tra- like all in for yogi triathlete, it all comes down to that. And in that, that 24 hour period, letting go of two yoga classes, which were what, 20 bucks a piece, a uh, web project, which could have been, you know, anywhere up to three grand, four grand. I don't know. We had two contact forms come over the website immediately. Like they came in an hour within each other and they were both <laughs> athletes who had listened to the podcast i can't remember which podcast it was but they listened to it and acted and and felt aligned and compelled to contact us and set up a call to have a conversation and consequently have joined us on the team and are still on the team so it was letting go of these things that were not aligning that's risk and that is risky that's and risk requires trust so if you if you want if you're committed to going all in, and that's what we are at Yogi Triathlete, then these circumstances are con- are going to continue to arise. They're going to ask you to step up and ask if you are truly committed to the goal. Are you truly committed to making this thing work? Because there's going to be way there's going to be opportunities to pull you away, and it's relentless until you say no, no, no enough, and saying no is okay until you say no enough, the universe is going to start saying, okay, well, these guys are truly committed to Yogi triathlete. Let's get on, let's get the other way. Like, let's not, let's stop throwing them these bones and let's get this power and momentum behind them and help them make this thing work. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. We've had a lot of moments like that. You know, BJ, and you ended up quitting your job at Xterra uh, the one studio that I was actually getting paid $45 a class, which felt like a million dollars. They had, they put me on probation. I mean, it, the stories, you guys are so crazy. It's just this beautiful, and I don't mean the snarky, this beautiful community of uh, yogis at this particular studio. It just, they just weren't my students and I wasn't their teacher. And it doesn't mean that they're not beautiful yogis. It just means that my message was not aligned with that studio and I ended up getting put on probation and it just, 
it just wasn't aligned. And I learned a lot about humility there. You know, when half, three quarters, 90% of my class would walk out in the middle of class. And I, I left that. That was like $800 a month. And I walked away from it because it wasn't aligned. And alignment is everything. What are we attuning to? What are we attuning to? You know, if we are trying so hard to make something work, and I guess this kind of moves into our next question, which is, um, when do you know when you should keep going? So I will talk about this experience. So this experience was so brutal, you guys. It was so brutal. And I would go into the bathroom before teaching and I would like pray. I would look in the mirror and I would say, give me the strength and give me the words and to stand and be authentic and be me and not compromise what I believe you know, is life-changing information and stay present and don't compromise and don't dim your light. Be you. I would pray, please give me the courage to just be me. And people would walk out of the class. Oh my God, they hated me. That was actually a quote that I got from one of the owners. And one of the owners actually really liked me and she loved my class, but she was like, I have to tell you, like people have said that they hate you. I mean, could you imagine? Like the yoga world is so interesting. I love it. And it was all about, I believe that experience for me was all about releasing any ego attachment to my teaching that I had the keys to the kingdom and everybody should want their own set, right? We kind of joked about that at the beginning. And it allowed me to really meet people where they were at and feel what misalignment means and feel what it feels like to try and make something happen. And I think when we're talking about when do you know when you should keep going, um, for me, I remember talking to my my meditation teacher, talking to meditator Bob about this, saying like, this is so brutal, Bob, this is so brutal. They hate me there. Like, it's just, oh. And he said, you'll know, like keep meditating, keep meditating. You'll know when you're done learning. You'll know when it's time to go. You'll know. And it was so hard, you guys. It was so hard. But like he said, through meditation, through really attuning to that inner compass, I knew, and it was actually funny because it was right in the middle of my review with the two owners. And again, one of the owners I felt aligned with and the other owner did not feel aligned with. I think we definitely have some karma. And um, and it was just right in the middle of the review. And, and I, oh man, I can't believe I said this, but there's a lot of things I can't believe I said. I just said, I can't pretend that what you're telling me matters to me. I can't. I can't pretend that it matters to me what angle the back heel is at in warrior one. I, I just can't pretend that that matters to me and I can't teach that way. Um, I said, and this is just not aligned and you have a beautiful community and you're serving an incredible purpose. And I just can't be a part of it because it doesn't work. And there's nothing that we can do right now, I think to make it work. And so I think the best thing is for me to just walk away. And it was cool. They were like, great. See you later. You know, I bought my own coffee at that review. And um, so I just knew it was that moment. It wasn't planning anything. It wasn't saying, okay, this is it. I'm going to walk away. It was like that moment I knew I was like, I can't, I have to be brave here. I have to be brave and I have to be really truthful to myself. That to me, yoga is not a physical practice. That's not the, that's not the epitome of what yoga is. It's what's going on within the practice. It's teaching people to navigate 
the shit show of life with neutrality and outrageous compassion. And um, to me, that's a really powerful way to live. So I want to um, address this question a little bit more specifically, but you were just going to say something. So I want to let you oh, speak. Oh, in yoga today when I was teaching, I, when they were finally in warrior two, I was like, okay, now we're getting to yoga. Now your body is still. Now we're, gonna, now we're just going to close our eyes and we're going to listen to our breath. And we're going to notice that in this instance, your mind is going to wander and you're going to have these thoughts. But you're going to come back to your breath and notice that you have a choice between indulging in the thoughts and not. And then everything else that we're doing is just gymnastics. Do you guys understand? It's just gymnastics. And they all laughed because <laughs> they get it. Like this, this crew that we're teaching to gets it. But I could feel them. I could feel them make that connection. Like, yeah, the moving of the body is easy to do because we're being occupied when we're still, we're, we're sifting and sorting through the thoughts. And I think that that's the key in that instance where if you know when the right time to keep going and when is the right time to let it go. How do you think? What, what do you think is key to that? I Exactly what I just said. It's that it's the meditation it's the it's the tuning into your heart is is how i perceive it and i and i can see it numerous times now in i would say more apparently in the past 2 years where you que- i question the alignment of what i'm doing and if it's moving me towards what my true purpose is and if you want to know what your true purpose is meditate and create that space where you get alone with yourself. And I'm not saying yourself as like BJ, the triathlete, BJ, the coach, BJ, the BJ, web the designer. super cool guy, super cool guy who he just <laughs> goes with the flow all the time. He has no hangups. How does this guy remain so chill? Um, that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> it's getting to that. It's getting to that deeper level it's under the surface it's layer after layer after layer that you peel back in meditation to you finally get to the point where you're like oh my god yes like i understand why i was so attached to whatever when i was when i was younger like i had this injury like now i understand and now you begin to form you don't begin to form you begin to discover who you truly are and then when you find that truth this sounds cliche a little bit but when you find that inner confidence, I, I, I is the word I want to use because I haven't been the most confident person I am now. When you find that confidence, then there's nothing that is misaligned. You'll see things that are in alignment and everything else you just let fall away because that alignment is so strong and you have that confidence in yourself. You don't have the conf- I don't have the confidence in you or the confidence in my education at Bryant College. What I have confidence in is me. It always comes down to me. And, and I share with people, you could pick me up and move me to the middle of somewhere, let's just say Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay? And I would be okay. Move me to Omaha, Nebraska. Move me to Anchorage, Alaska. I would be okay because I've... I'm confident in who I am as a person and I can figure my way out. And if that if that piques your interest for those listeners out there if this if this like stirs something up inside of you, then I would 
really get in tune with who you are through meditation. I would take that time and get a consistent practice to discover that it doesn't matter where you are, what you have, or what you do. As long as you have that confidence in yourself, you can be anywhere, do anything, and be challenged with any circumstance and come through with calmness and and peacefulness and the ability to just be who you truly are anywhere, anytime. Yeah, and I think that that was so key for us to keep in in our process of um, of moving forward was my favorite word to describe like your true self is unshakable. I love that. I feel like we were unshakable. Yeah, there were tears. Yeah, there was intensity. Yeah, there was like, there was prayer. There was like, oh my God, this is so intense. But we were truly unshakable. We just kept, we were so freaking relentless. We kept moving forward. And so how did we know, right? So this is kind of answers the question. When do you know uh, when you should keep going? It's when, when you really look at does anything, I, I would ask this question all the time, does anything else make sense? Does anything else make sense? And the answer was always no. So in 2009, when I was in India, I was teaching massage to Tibetan refugees, okay? These girls were hardcore. Just my class happened to be all girls, but there was, boy, there was men in other classes. I mean, these people are hardcore. Like they escaped Tibet and walked across the Himalayas, not in, you know, Solomon boots, but like handmade slippers and moccasins as children. And you can only travel at night. I mean, it's hardcore. They, they had quite the life experience. And we had a huge language barrier, huge language barrier. And these girls were picking up the techniques so quickly not only were they picking up the techniques quickly but they were applying them like they had been practicing them for months I mean it blew us away me and my my fellow teacher Louise we would be like this is crazy we'd be like lying on the table looking at each other like this feels so good I'd pay a hundred dollars for this and so one night we were all out for tea and cake because that's what you do at nine o'clock at night in Dharamsala and I said to the girls, I said, why, why are you able to pick up these skills so quickly? Why are you able to do this so well? And one of the girls said to me, she said, because our minds aren't cluttered. Your minds, are, your minds in America are so cluttered. We don't have the clutter. And I knew, I was meditating a little bit here and there at that point. But I knew that every day started with their meditation. You know, they were, they were Tibetan Buddhists. So they live in Dharamsala because that's where they're, the Dalai Lama, their leader, is there. And the Tibetan government in exile is there. And that just hit home with me. Like, that was such a profound moment. I was like, you're so right. Like, we are so cluttered. We're thinking about, should I have gotten the small? Should I have gotten the medium? Oh, should I get the purple or the pink? Like, what do I do? What race? What's the water temperature? I got to, you know, crowdsource all of my answers from all these people on Facebook. And it's like clutter, 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 clutter. So meditation cuts through that clutter. Might be a little bit of a battlefield, but if you can use your will, same will that gets you to the finish line, you can sit still in that battlefield and eventually you will get clear. And like these girls, you will be able to know things very quick. 
and you will be able to attain and retain skills very quick. And to me, that clarity was everything and is everything for anyone who's wondering if they should stay or if they should go. So I feel like every answer we're giving is like meditation, but it's really true. Um, you got to cut through the clutter because you, who you truly are, already knows all the answers. But there's so much clutter. There's so many wounds. There's unforgiveness. There's victimization. There's so many things that keep us from that truth. Stories that we hang on to because we're so desperate for identity. And I'm not leaving myself out of this. I for sure lived under this veil for a very long time. And I still see those energies show up in me, but I can see them like a spotlight in the dark, like, oh, look at that. And then like BJ, you said, you have this space between the thoughts and where your awareness is, and then I can choose. Like I don't create from that energy. And really what it's about is reprogramming your subconscious. And so I see it in my dreams. I had a dream the other night. I was having podcast panic in this dream. Like we're not going to have any guests and the podcast, we're going to miss a week. And so I'm dreaming about this. And in the dream, I'm having podcast panic. And then I'm also talking to myself saying, no, I don't move from that energy anymore. I'm not moving from panic. That's so crazy. So here I am on a subconscious level having this conversation with myself during a dream. So that tells me that my that there's still some roots in there, but that the reprogramming is for sure well into effect. So I hope that answers that question. And then let's finish it up with this last question. And actually it went by so fast. I know. It did go by fast. Sorry, an hour? Um, 54 minutes and 17 seconds, 18 seconds, 19 seconds. Um, and this is actually a question that I brought to the podcast today. What is one thing that you've learned from the rise and almost fall of Yogi Triathlete? What have you learned, Beach? Oh. I mean, so much. There's yeah. so much. So here's like, I know my immediate, don't think too much. Don't think too much. Detachment. Mm. I think detachment is the be all end all of, of pretty much everything that I do in training, racing, coaching, teaching yoga, driving the car, going to the store for groceries, uh, responding to a potential athlete email, like everything that I do, I, I don't lower my expectations. I just, I put everything I can into it and then I let the end result be the end result. And as an athlete, I'm going to speak specifically to this, my relationship with the way things have changed in the pool, where for most athletes, it's challenging to get to the pool. It's challenging to fit in the workout. It's challenging to do the workout. It's challenging to to actually get in more than one swim a week. Like all these things lead up to a challenging, uh, challenging avenue to get to get better at one of the three disciplines in the sport of triathlon. And for me, it's a non-issue anymore. The shift has happened so much in the pool that I just show up at the pool, I jump in, I get the workout done, and I leave the pool and move on. But you most often, like, if not all the time, like your A-sets, 
you crush. I, you crush more than you've ever crushed before. And I believe it's because you don't have those tethers that are literally slowing you down. And I was, they're, they're more like anchors, <laughs> anchors that pull you down. And, it, and there's workouts I do where I go to the pool, let's just say 30 by 100s. And, if I, and I'll have a thought, well, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to hit that time. Then I'm going to have to adjust the set. And this is even before I've even started the set. This is what would happen before. Now it's just go to the pool, do the set, whatever that first set be, is, is exactly what's, what it is. And then you move on to the second one and then the third one. And having no judgment, no judgment on the set. Like, yes, I'm, I'm a motivated, passionate, dedicated, competitive athlete. Like, yes, that's, those are some qualities of me. But I know the bigger picture. I know that it doesn't, that one particular workout or one 100 in one particular workout isn't going to define what I do on race day. And if you can separate the two, like separate those experiences, then it makes showing up for the workouts every day much more enjoyable. And I'll say it's only more enjoyable if it aligns with something that you're passionate about. Because then this may open up the question of whether or not you even like the sport. And do you even like doing triathlon? If you remove the element of time and race performance, like do you enjoy waking up and getting to the pool? Do you enjoy going for those long bike rides or the, the double run days? Like, do you enjoy that? If you don't enjoy it, then I would really question whether this is something you want to continue to pursue. It's got to align, again, back to that alignment. So what was the question? Kind of went off on a tangent there. What have you learned? Detachment. So what have I learned? Detachment. Mm -hmm. Detachment from all things. Yeah. And d detaching has only brought the things that are supposed to show up in my life for me to learn from. Mm -hmm. Good or bad. Well, that's just a label. I see everything as an opportunity. Everything is an opportunity. And I will say one more thing that I've learned from this whole thing is the words you use. So really opportunity is a word that I, I use a lot and I see it when I say it and I see people's reactions when I say it and I see the chuckle, but I truly believe that everything that we experience is an opportunity. Right. Because everything is for us. So how could it not be an opportunity? Right. I would not looking back on everything. I wouldn't change a thing. Would you? No way. I wouldn't change no a way. thing. Yeah, and we, we could look at like the mountain of debt, like the mountain that we're sitting under. And I'm like, no, I'm actually sitting beside it with my arm around it because it's a very small price to pay for, for what we've experienced, the connections of this community, and not only the connections between us and the community, but the community within the community. It's unbelievable. When I see on social media, like... Uh, Lupe and guess. Mary not right. or vegan powered athlete and you Dave. know and yeah, yeah. it's just it's so remarkable it's so so beautiful um so for you what's what's gosh, what have you taken okay. away so this? so much but I think I'm gonna stick with this humility piece um that I learned humility that I learned and I think humility and detachment go hand in hand that I really got to get up close and personal with that ego and that I'm not better than, um, than anyone. I'm not a better 
yoga teacher than anyone and that, you know, being the same when one person showed up for a class, no people showed up for a class or 10 people showed up for a class, being the same. And I think humility was a really, was a really big one. And along with humility, I was able to be in receivership and to receive uh, from people, receive support. We have received a lot of support and not just from that, that one huge miracle experience. There has been a lot of support that has been sent our way, um, product, uh, checks. People have written us checks. Introductions to, 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 to other people. To tell us to keep going. Um, introductions. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, my family, my mom and my sister, so amazing. I remember walking on the beach, with my sister just crying. And she was like, you have to keep going. You have to keep going. She's like, you are a survivor. You will work at a restaurant. You will do whatever you need to do to continue to move forward with, with the Yogi Triathlete because it's what you're here to do. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And, and it was so beautiful because she has also been, she was teaching me and sharing with me from her own experience. You know, my mom is like our biggest cheerleader. She's so amazing. And she was always like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so we had this incredible support. And in that, you guys, um, most of you know that um, Clark almost left the world about three or four weeks ago. And he had to have emergency surgery. And one of our community members tells us, thank you, from Miami, love her, um, reached out to me and asked if I could give her permission to set up a GoFundMe page to assist us with the financial piece of Clark's, um, Clark's surgery that he had. And um, oh, it was really uncomfortable. And, um, and I said yes. And... Um, went through a lot of different thoughts of like, oh God, people are going to slam us for this or they're going to, you know, and, and I was like, none of that matters. None of that matters. What matters is that I deepen my ability to receive, that we give Telsis permission to be in service. And for those people who felt aligned, then that they could be in service because you guys, we are here to take care of each other. And I am the first one to, to, donate at a GoFundMe. And if I missed your GoFundMe, let me know. <laughs> I will do my best. Or fill your tank at the gas station. Like we are here to take care of each other. So um, I just want to thank everybody who kept us in their thoughts because it's not just those who donated that matter. Every single person matters. So thank you everyone who reached out to us, kept us in our thoughts, maybe even just glanced over and saw what was going on and said, oh geez, I hope everything's going to be okay. All of that stuff matters. So I just want to say that we are in deep thanks of this community and anything, anything that we can do to share our experience. There are, there's so much more, I believe, for us to share. And we continue to walk this warrior path. And um, I believe that there is nothing else that we are supposed to be doing than to continue to be the stewards of this incredible force that is Yogi Triathlete. And to do it with Clark, who is <laughs> <laughs> back to his normal ways, sleeping, snoozing, playing. And actually, people have asked if he's changed at all after this experience. And there has been one or actually two small changes, one being 
you know, he, he, he likes to, to sniff around and check out other dogs now. And he, you know, we get into the pack group and he's just sniffing around trying to make friends. Wasn't always like that. He and, didn't always like other dogs. And so that's He's huge. a people person. And I'm looking at this toy that our dear friend Daniel, um, the vegan powered athlete, gave Clark two weeks ago. And it is still here with missing antlers. It's a moose. So it has one antler gone and the other antler's there. But Clark has not destroyed it. And it's one of the first soft toys that Clark hasn't destroyed. In like um, two minutes. No, yeah. seriously, it comes in the house and it goes, it, he gets it and we watch him for maybe 10, five minutes, two minutes, and it goes in the trash. So this is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. So, so it, it shows that something changed and anything can happen. And listen, Clark's got <laughs> karma. Like nobody gets a free pass. Nobody yeah. gets a free pass. Nope. And so he came within, you know, a few moments of, of his life and his work's not done here. But I think as Mary, um, Mary told us who is a vet, she said, um, would she say that his, they, they cut the demons out and I really think they did. He, he had some, he had some work. He, he had a little shadow self yeah. in there. Um, and so that, that has yet to surface. So that's a new belief system that we have and it's beautiful. So, so thank we're, you. We're everyone. so glad the the connector, the joy creator is still on this planet. Yeah. And part of the pack. Yeah. The pack is three strong. Yep. And we'll be at, um, so just, uh, let you guys know, we will be at Havelina hundred. Where's that? In um, Arizona at McDowell, I don't know what it's called, McDowell Reserve or whatever, but Havelina 100, that's October 26th. So if anybody's going to be at that race, please let us know. We're going to be at Ironman, Arizona. We're going to be doing body marking. So if you would like us to mark your body, line up. And we're also going to be at Indian Wells. So those are some races you can catch us at. Um, Please let us know. We'd love to meet you. We love, 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 love to connect in person. But we feel your support and we are in deep thanks.